Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, a podcast that looks at the inspiration, intention, and actionable steps to help you jumpstart joy in the world, in your life, and in other people's lives. This is your host, Paula Jenkins. Welcome to episode 206. This week's show, I am looking back at the conversation I had with Jess Ekstrom, and she is the CEO of Headbands of Hope, and she is amazing and funny, and I just love this conversation with her so much. I'm excited to share it with you all again. If you are new to the show, I want to say welcome. I'm so glad that you are here. This is the very last episode of season four. I cannot believe we are there. And next week we are rolling right on in to season five. Show notes are something that us podcasters do for every episode. They are usually a synopsis of the things that are talked about. And you will also find what I call resources or the things that, you know, some of the items that Jess and I talk about. If you want to get a link to them, you can find them in the show notes, which are at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash Jess, J-E-S-S. While you're there, I also have a really fun weekly newsletter. In all sincerity, it's amazing. (laughs) And I unpack and look, take a little look behind the scenes of some of the things that I get really excited about when I get to talk to these guests or some of the quotes that they bring up um, that they say. And it's called Three Things Thursday. And so we talk directly about the inspiration, intention, and action that you can take based on the stuff we're talking about in this very episode. I send it out every week. You can sign up on the website, jumpstartyourjoy.com. You're going to want to get on there. Over 3,000 people are. So get in with us. (laughs) It's a lot of fun. I think you guys are really going to love this conversation with Jess as well. I mean, I met her in person in Atlanta last year and she gave a speech. Uh, she's She's a very talented speaker. And one of the things that she brought up was an amazing quote by Will Ferrell, who's one of my favorites. And from that moment on, I knew that we were going to have a great conversation and I wanted to have her on the show. She also said this really amazing thing about cauliflower and how it's such a versatile uh, vegetable, I guess. And you know, like if it wants to be a pizza crust, it's a pizza crust. If it wants to be a side dish, it can be a side dish, you know? So she was really encouraging all of us to be more like cauliflower. So I'm going to just leave that with you and we're going to jump right on in to this conversation with Jess Ekstrom. Welcome, Jess. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes. Um, really exciting because we met in Atlanta, what was that, July? End of July. Yeah, July at the Mavenly Women Work and Worth Conference, which was yes. amazing. It was. I will put a link out to the Mavenly. And if folks are not listening to that podcast, it is very good as well. So Yeah, it's really good. And then um, Kate, the, the founder, just released her new project called Work Well that I'm mm-hmm. super excited about, just kind of like wellness around working, because I'm sure as women entrepreneurs or just women going for it, sometimes um, that slips away from us. It does. It really, really does. And that's honestly, because we're recording mid-December, and that's like what I'm mapping out for next year is like, how do I plan out more time that's you know, mm-hmm. working in the business and then working with clients, but also giving myself a little bit of a breather because I've been at it a bit much. 
Exactly. Exactly. I'm going to attempt next week, you know, it's the holidays to do no email, which has been a work in progress for me. Like this year, I've been trying to put in place some practices that have helped me be a little less glued to my inbox and look up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. That sounds delightful. I can never get to inbox zero. And I think it's like kind of a myth. So <laughs> I'm trying to get there. Oh, and get I have to be it. at inbox zero. That's why I'm I'm so addicted to it. It's because if there's like one thing lingering, even if it's just like a sale on Spanx, I have to like click it. Because <laughs> I'm like, it. I can't. Yeah. So I need to like let, learn to let things wait. And I also hired a, an assistant that's been super helpful of like going into my inbox. And I've never had an assistant that's done that before. And so if there's anything urgent, she'll let me know. And so that kind of gives you peace of mind when you're away from it. It does. I can see that being very yeah. valuable. Well, yeah. let's jump into the first question I ask everybody, which is, yeah, what did you love most as a child or in school? What were your earliest sparks of joy? Oh my gosh. I loved, always loved food. <laughs> mm. um, so food always got me excited. But as a kid, um, I was such a tomboy. And um, I remember like probably the best gift I've ever gotten was um, I, my sister went for Christmas one year. She put me on a scavenger hunt to eventually find this skateboard that she had bought at like a Goodwill and spray painted with my name on it. And it was like my favorite thing. The only bad part was, I had no idea how to skateboard. <laughs> so I would, um, we had this like long driveway. And so I would start at the top and sit on it and ride it all the way down and ended up burning a hole in my shoe because that was the only way I knew how to stop. But I would still call it skateboarding. Like I was going skateboarding, even though I was riding it on my butt. <laughs> I love it. My my favorite thing. Yeah. Still my yeah. favorite gift. It is a good gift. I had a little yellow skateboard that I think I rode most of the time in a very similar fashion. <laughs> Yeah. Like down the court and then I'd walk exactly. back up. It was like skiing. I still don't understand it. I'm like, how do you stand up straight? Like, how does it not fall underneath your feet? But the be- like the best part was like in, you know, middle school, because I think I was like in sixth grade when I got it, I would like go and be like, yeah, I'm going to go skateboarding this weekend. And they'd be like, all the boys would be like, oh, you skateboard? And I'm like, yeah, I do. But they never, <laughs> they never knew my secret. <laughs> so good. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> and, and so now you're the CEO and founder of Headbands of Hope. And I love your mission and the history. Will you kind of, you, I, it's probably a, a fun story to tell all the way through. So if you want to weave in both like your mission yeah. and history, I would, I would love for the audience to hear it. In 2012, I started Headbands of Hope. And this is when I was in college. I was interning for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And I saw a lot of kids that were losing their hair to chemotherapy and they'd be offered wigs and hats. When a lot of them, I felt like wouldn't wear them. And I was, I was confused. I'm like, you know, why are we offering these to the kids when I see a lot of them wearing headbands after hair loss? So I looked up organizations. I said, okay, there's got to be something out there that's giving headbands to kids with cancer because I would see them wearing them all the time. And I realized that that was a 
need that wasn't being met. No one was doing that and no one had maybe made that connection. So in just this kind of like spur of the moment thing, I, I just decided I was going to do it myself. It was funny that actually the founder of Tom Shoes had come and spoken at my school like a few months prior and talked about this, you know, one for one model that he created that he wanted people to replicate to create more businesses of good. And so I just kind of was like, oh, I'll do that with headbands. So at Headbands of Hope, for every headband sold, we donate one to a child with cancer. I started, sold my first headband to my mom, mm-hmm. <laughs> April 25th, 2012. And to date, we donated headbands to every single children's hospital in America and 15 countries. So it's been a whirlwind, lots of ups and downs. It's been a really cool experience. Yeah, it, it's so amazing. I mean, I think there's that that interesting blend of what? Touching on something that fills an amazing need and a gap that you saw. But it's also, I, I know from, so Danny Wood of New Kids on the Block was on the show and he was talking, he has a cancer, um, a charity. He named Remember Betty, which is in honor of, honor of his mom who died of breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And he also saw this need that was so kind of niche and practical yet meaningful. And so he helps people who are in the midst of cancer treatment and helps pay for like mm-hmm. a mortgage or gets them a ride to treatment. Like it's it's simple and niche, but it's so deeply needed because it impacts people's lives so deeply. And so I love yeah. that. Yeah, you know, you you found a neat a niche there as well. Do you want to talk a little bit about how that impact of of giving someone a child a headband and what it what it mm-hmm. means and what it does for them? Yeah, and I kind of like what you pointed out about the other example of just like some of the little things and the simplicity mm-hmm. because I think sometimes when we want to start something, we think that anything you know that we create has to be something that is like earth shattering complex and we have to be the next, you know, Spotify or where we disrupt the music industry or the yeah. next Airbnb. And, and it really, um, it doesn't have to be that, uh, you can provide value in some of the more simple things that people mm-hmm. need. And the headband for me was that, and it's, um, even though it might be a small accessory, it can make such a huge impact with these kids that are already going through so much. And not only are they worried about their health, but being a kid and a lot of the teens too, you're in such a already kind of questionable place in your life of your identity and mm-hmm. self-esteem and making friends. And so we like to think that, you know, the headbands aren't just about, oh, you need something to put on your head because you're losing your hair. It's making them feel like a kid again. It's, it's making yeah. them feel good about themselves when they look in the mirror. It's a symbol of strength and solidarity. And it's this little gesture that when I've learned going into the hospital so much the past six and seven or seven years, um, it's really those those little things and those little moments during the day that can totally just bring like just a hint of light that can really brighten up the room because it can be such um, grueling and dark times, not just for the kids, but for the families. So yeah. if we can add that sense of just normalcy and something fun and positive, then that's what we want to do. And that even evolved into um, a program that we started called DIY Headband Days. So um, we actually 
send flower crown kits and bandanas that can be colored and the kids can actually design and create their own headbands in the hospitals. So it's a little bit more of an interactive experience. And uh, that's worked really well for us and been really cool to see the kids be able to kind of spread their wings too. Oh, I love that so much. I bet that's so much fun for them to like kind of dig in and make their own headband. That would have been, yeah. I, I mean, I would still want to do that, right? <laughs> like, yeah, I know. Like, like it's so funny because when we sometimes will go to the hospitals and like administer it, and I'll kind of get caught up like making my own headband, and then I'll look up and I'm like, oh man, I need. <laughs> need to like go help the kids. I really want to like highlight and underline. I know what you said there was so important about we get so overwhelmed and kind of what worried that the thing we choose to do has to be this earth shattering thing. But Mm -hmm. I love what next big thing. Yeah. Like that. I I mean, with a, with a show like jumpstart your joy, obviously I like those little things that really have the ripple effect and that have such a huge Mm -hmm. impact and are kind of genius in their simplicity. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Because also the reality is people don't want to think too much. Like Mm, people don't want to reinvent their own wheel. Like it's, I think that there are some, there are so many things that, that um, are disruptive in the industry that are great and are moving us forward. Oh yeah. Um, But then there's also some stuff that's like, there's no need for so much complexity around going to the grocery store or doing, you know, X, Y, and Z or buying this. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think there's a lot of things that we can do that are just simple solutions that provide value. And so whenever, you know, people ask me that they, I want to start a business, I don't know where to begin. I always just encourage them to just look for pain. And it sounds weird, but it's like, I call it inspiration from frustration. So mm-hmm. next time you're frustrated about something or next time something doesn't go your way or something's taking a long time or why is, you know, the line at the post office always so long or like, I can't, you know, open this can of pickles or whatever it is. What can you do to yeah. make that easier for yourself? And what could that be to make that easier for other people? And yeah. so sometimes it's just looking for those areas of pain that you can fix that is are the best ideas. Yeah. And I think, oh, yeah. And I know you have more around this one as well. But like, isn't that kind of why we all love Shark Tank that like, these people Mm -hmm. listen to that little inner nudge of, okay, so here's one of the really silly ideas. My friends like to sit around, my friends and I like to sit around and make up fake things. One of them is called the culottes, which are self cooling shorts. Somebody else, now it's out there. Y'all can make this, the culottes. Anyway, but isn't that why we like Shark Tank? It's because people, somebody somebody actually makes the thing that you're like, oh, we were joking around about that. Not that I've seen culottes. Right, exactly. Like Like, I was joking around one time about, I always have my ideas in the shower. And I was like, mm. I'd love like a shower Sharpie that you can write on your shower walls. You know, because then of course you get out of the shower and you put the towel around your head and then you forget everything that you just thought of (laughs) while you were in the shower. And then people were like tagging me. I think I posted on Instagram or something and they were like, Oh, it exists. And I'm like, man, but yeah, it's, it's, it's like, why not just noodle on things? I think we talk ourselves out of so much before we even begin. And because there's every reason in the book not to do something you can think about how many businesses fail. You can think about how much time you have or how busy you already are or what the weather's like that day. And and so there's so much airtime that we give in our heads 
to what could go wrong. And mm-hmm. it's like, imagine if we gave that same amount of airtime to what could go right. Like, mm-hmm. would we move a little bit more further in our ideas and the things we want to do if we thought about what's possible and not what would stand in our way? Yeah. Mm, yes, totally agree with that. And then once you've started putting the energy towards the thing, I mean, culottes wasn't my thing, but like a podcasting <laughs> class was. And right. and that became a thing for me and now is a major part of what my my business is because yeah, I saw so yeah. many kind of like created by big entrepreneurs and then it was more quite frankly of like a lead magnet for them and so they were putting it out there but missing huge steps and I'm like right wait I can't start a podcast with that information so what do I need and from my notes came this class yeah 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 like it it, it was a similar experience for me starting mic drop workshop Mm, the course that I started this summer actually right before um, we met at the conference was I would get a lot of questions from women who have these amazing stories and they want to go on stage and tell them as a professional speaker. And it was kind of this thing where I was like, would it be helpful to create an online course of just everything that I know about speaking professionally and getting paid to do it? Because there's also a huge demand for female speakers because that's been, been lacking to say the least on, on <laughs> some um uh, lineups. There's actually like a trending Tumblr account called Manals that are like all male panels. <laughs> that people call but it was something that I was like, okay, um, yes, an online course might take some time to create. Will there be like a bunch of like back end stuff? Is there already enough courses out there about um, professional speaking? And there was just, of course, a laundry list of things that I could say, no, it's not the right time. But then there was just this one thing where I was like, what if this could launch one person's speaking career where they could make a huge impact through their story and an income while doing it just for like one person would that be worth it to me and it was and so I did it and now that's turned into hundreds of amazing women and an awesome community um, at mic drop workshop but it's like just watering the flowers more than you water your weeds it's like what could bloom from this and make that more exciting than what could go wrong. And if somebody wants to find the Mic Drop Workshop, where do they find that? Yeah, you can go to micdropworkshop.com and um, and check it out. There's a a webinar that kind of shows you a little bit of what I'm about and some tips on public speaking. And then we have a mastery course that is everything I know about um, from crafting a keynote to getting paid to tell it, where to find gigs. And then if you're in the mastery course, you're in this closed Facebook group for women who are also in it. And we refer each other to gigs and um, post stuff for feedback. And it's been really just like, it's taught me a lot too. I've learned a lot from all the women in the group and it's been a really cool experience. I can't imagine if I would have just closed the door on it because Mm, of all the doubts that we naturally have, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I'll link up to that in the show notes. I agree the same thing. It's amazing the things from the podcast class that I've learned because questions get asked and I'm like, oh, I need to research that because I haven't even thought about yeah. it. Or just hearing Definitely. where people happen too. Yeah, where people get stuck and like realizing like, oh, there's more here that's super interesting kind of about like, where can I add some coaching around these things? Yeah, definitely. Like I just added a module 
to it, you know, even though the course has been done for like six months about, I added, you know, how to collect emails from the stage because that was something that kept coming up. And I'm like, okay, there's that gap. It's cool to be able to provide something that teaches people to fish too, you know, like a class um, and, and kind of help create like something of value that mobilizes people has been a a really cool journey this, this year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The other really juicy part right there that I love is that you went forth with the idea and launched it and then it has grown. And I think there's a really interesting nugget right there about like it. you don't have to to listeners if you're like, I don't know how to do an e-course or a course like you don't have to have all the things figured out right up front. Right. You don't have to know everything to put it out there. You probably already know enough about a subject to create. Right. Exactly. And you can add yeah. to it as you go because you're going to learn. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And just I think it's it's great that Mike Drop has grown. But mm-hmm. I also want to point out that I've started things that haven't grown. Sure. <laughs> and, yes. and you live to tell about it. And, <laughs> and yeah. maybe they like I think the best kind of confidence that you can have is when you realize that there's life after mistakes because it, it then it really mobilizes you to go for it. Um, mm-hmm. And if you try five different things and one of them works, that's still a huge win. So even though Headbands of Hope has been successful, Mic Drop Workshop has been successful, there have been things that I have dabbled in that have not taken off. And I just try to be really open and honest about that because I think um, in this age of like social media and, and oh, yeah. you know, blogs and everything. It's like everyone's winning all the time. Mm, (laughs) Yes. That's how we, and then I think that's why we're in this like self-esteem crisis is we feel like we're the only ones that are messing up at something. And I, this is my personal mission because it's something that I've really struggled with in my anxiety too is comparison. And uh, it's once you really pull back the curtains though, and you get to know people, you realize that nothing is really what it seems and uh, everyone's had those struggles. This is not what we're posting on our blogs. And so, yeah, I just really like to preface that whenever I talk about a win that it is always coupled with many losses along the way. Yeah. I'm super glad you brought that up because I think it is, it's also the fun and exciting thing to talk about on a podcast or a show or whatever is to, to list accomplishments and achievements. And it doesn't always what it doesn't always honor the fullness of a person to just check all those exactly. things off. Yeah, because yeah, obviously, well said. I like the term honoring the fullness. It's, that's <laughs> okay. that's a beautiful way to put it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, because yeah. for sure, I think a lot of people in in the audience. I, I mean, and that's why I like to kind of go through people's stories in the breadth of who they are, because there's a lot mm-hmm. to learn, and you know, the the basis even for this show was being in a place where I was kind of at, well, I was near rock bottom and just said, I want more. I don't know what more is, but there's more than this moment. And I'm going to go find mm-hmm. it. Yeah. It, and knowing that well, from that, that that's moment. Like things, the best part too of like, yeah. is when I think rock bottom is when, and not even rock bottom, that sounds like really bad, but even just, <laughs> I think whenever we're in good places, you don't, you don't like, you're not like actively trying to move away from that. Mm-hmm. But when we're in maybe places where things aren't going so great, that's when you move to try to be better. 
a lot of great things happen when things aren't going so well because you don't want to stay there. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that that's like when you become resourceful, when you become creative, when you have more ideas, it's because you're scrambling sometimes. And mm-hmm. I like I know like a product and I think it's something I'm I'm blanking on the name, but it's like a hair curling product. It's called Miss Jessie's. Mm -hmm. And I met the founder and she started it because her salon was failing and she was a single mom trying to, you know, provide a good life for her kid. She was in a bad neighborhood. And so she decided that she needed to find another source of income. And she had this big curly hair that she would make her own hair cream for because she couldn't find it on the market. Mm -hmm. Started selling that. And now they're a target. But like, Mm -hmm maybe she would have never made that hair cream if her salon was going really well. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah, because it kind of gives us maybe the nudge of bravery or courage that wouldn't mm-hmm. have necessarily, maybe the idea was already there, but it's in those moments where we're like, no, like, what? What? I think it's Elizabeth Gilbert that says something about you finally get tired of your own bullshit. And that's like, that's when yeah, change happens. It's totally. like, ah, no, there's something else here. Um, Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I think sometimes when I sit on an idea too long, mm -hmm. like, I I start to get mad at myself. Because I'm like, what are you doing? If you're still thinking about it, then obviously, so because, you know, there's a lot of I'm not saying like, every time you have an idea, go for it. Because not all of our ideas are worthy of us stopping what we're doing and pursuing them. But where I think ideas, like the ones that stick and the ones like when you're just driving in the car, you know, and not thinking about anything. And then you start thinking about that, like those things that kind of keep coming back Mm. are ones that I think are worth pursuing. Mm -hmm. And so when that happens to me, I'm like, what am I, you know, it's almost like you start, like you said, kind of get your own BS. You're just like, just do it. And then sometimes the like even the failure of that idea feels better than the regret of, of not doing it. It's like, okay, I crossed it off my list. Mm -hmm. Um, It didn't work or it turned into this, which I didn't expect. And like that in its own will always feel better than sitting in your car driving, wondering why you never pursued it. Yeah. Ooh, that is almost, (laughs) it's so close to the Will Ferrell quote that you put up I am literally looking at. Do you want to give it to us or I could I could read it? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I I okay. So Will Farrell, one of my favorite people, and anyone uh who knows me know that I once chased him down at a football game and begged him to take a picture with me and I cherish that picture. But um he said, But my fear of failure never approached in magnitude my fear of what if. What if I never try it at all? And um I mean, and he has a really interesting story too. I, I recommend reading, um, and maybe you can link this, is uh, his speech at graduation for USC. And he kind of talks about his early days and uh, no one would read the Anchorman scripts. And even like, even when he started winning at some things, he was still losing at others. And and so that's, yeah, I'm so glad that we bonded over that quote. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Well, I think there's something so raw and truthful about what he does, like the emotions that he kind of conjures up. Like we see ourselves in him when he's acting, at least 
I do. I don't know. You know, I'm four foot yeah. ten. I don't know how I'm relating to like this large man. But <laughs> but there's also something there's a connection through humor. Like we feel really close to him or I do because of the way he's vulnerable in being funny. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. I feel the same way, but it's so funny because there's a very high likelihood that me and you are the only two people that feel this way <laughs> about Will Ferrell. And so I'm just like picturing like people listening to this podcast, like what the heck, you know, why they love Will Ferrell, but no, For a weird I reason. Way, but I, yeah, exactly. Um, no, but I, and that's like, I appreciate humor so much that I, I really, I think when I first started speaking professionally, I thought that I had to put on this persona of like, I'm this businesswoman that has it all together. And like, right. you know, look at my structure that I've done and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it was just like, um, I didn't like giving that talk because it wasn't myself. I don't think it was helping too many people. And mm. once I kind of like, like threw the papers in the air and decided just to be myself and be funny and be real, that was when, that was when the demand went up. That was when I was on planes a hundred times a year, you know? So it's, yeah. that's what people want. And that's what people connect with is that realness that I think Will, I like to call him Will, yeah. um, oh, Will. Yeah. Is, does, you know, in, in his acting. And that's when I um, really appreciate entrepreneurs or anyone who's kind of ever reached some level of success, but that can still not feel like they're trapped in a persona of success. I love that. I love all of that so much. And it's interesting. I'll link up to the show for, with Andrea Owen, because she and I talked a lot about like how to be taken seriously when like you're not a serious person. And I think it's the same yeah. thing because I got so, I mean, you know, I, after leaving academia, not that I taught, but like after, you know, getting degrees, you kind of feel like yeah. the measure of success or whatever is this kind of very serious, I don't know, a kind of a, a rehash of what you've seen these professors do for however many years you've been there. Totally. But that's not, I mean, sure, that's the place and time for it. But like that persona, I mean, yeah. <laughs> no one's li- tuning I, into this podcast for report on those things like right yeah there's not going to be multiple choice at the end of this but (laughs) no um, I I was awful in school not that I wasn't trying I just wasn't a natural test taker I wasn't good at Mm. like memorizing things and I just wasn't uh and when I say awful like it was um I went to my high school that I went to was this really small, like college prep school where every single student could, you know, recite like all the digits of pi. And like, it was, <laughs> right. it was very academically driven. And so yeah. I did not, I really continuously felt like I never measured up. And it was, and I remember like when college acceptances started coming out, it was the, the thing to do was to post your acceptance letters on your locker. And so oh. like out on the outside of it. And I right. just remember feeling like absolute crap because I'm, you know, not getting into these schools and um, my SAT scores weren't that great. And, and the, all the people around me were, you know, Harvard, Yale and like Cornell. And I ended up, you know, going to this, this great school. And it was, I, college was really where I felt like I found my, like more of a holistic approach to who I am and not just yeah. answering A, B, C, or D. 
but um, it's like, it was a huge stressor for me growing up and like really messed with my identity and my confidence. I was being told that I wasn't good enough, you know, because that's what these yeah. grades for me were, were telling you. So yeah, that was hard. That's something I feel really strongly about too. Uh, and when I, you know, try to speak at school, it's, it's, it's not just about, you know, the, the numbers on paper, you know, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Are you being active yeah. in your community? Are you, I'm actually on the board of this nonprofit called District C where they pair high school students with startups and businesses in the local community. And they solve like a real world problem for them and give them solutions to one problem that they're experiencing and it's so cool and that's what gets me excited about education is like real problem solving group work things like that but it was a it was a big pressure to my identity growing up for sure yeah yeah and that's interesting because I it was good at English but really I I think it was more of a confidence thing around math and maybe not being so good Mm -hmm. at multiple choice questions yeah but yeah poured I scored really poorly I mean like (laughs) <laughs> really poorly on the ACTs. And it was a one, another one of those things where it was like, oh my gosh, like, you know, one, what if people find out? Like, you know, it, it just, it really can put you in a spiral, but knowing that like on oh, the yeah. other side of that, yes, it's important to try and do your best at school, but there's also a lot more to who you become and like what your gifts are and what you might be doing um, later in life that have nothing to yeah. do with those abilities at all. Exactly. Like, I almost feel like uh, school, <laughs> this is going to sound ridiculous, but it, sh- there's, it should be more like an escape room. You know, like, who mm. is going to figure it out? Because I might not know, I might not be a really good trivia partner, or I might not um, score the highest, you know, on a test. But if you, like, lock me in somewhere, or if you throw me in the middle of, like, a jungle, like, I'm going to figure it out. And I'm confident in that. And that was one thing that I thought that most people had, but I realized that, that, that they don't. And just sometimes not knowing can put you in a state of fear. And so I, one thing that I do think that I'm good at is even when I don't know something, I still know that I can, and I still know that I will. And so I think that that's what I wasn't really, you know, measured in in school is the grit and tenacity that you have to have to to do things and to pursue things and be resilient because, you know, it's just, it's either A, B, C, or D, or it's either true or false. And there's, it doesn't really give you that window um, to really like test your, your core um, Mm -hmm. of just not knowing where you're going, but know that you're going to get there. So that's one thing that took me like few years and still taking me is to be okay with not having all the experience or all the skills, but still knowing that I'll figure it out. Yeah. So many entrepreneurs are a really great example of kind of what tapping into to being really crafty in the different mm-hmm. kinds of ideas that come up and like, how do you solve problems and how do you get super creative and and those things, at least in my experience, are not necessarily the things that can even be taught. I mean, they can be encouraged, mm-hmm. but then it's, yeah, it's it's really interesting. And I don't, I don't, I don't know. As a parent, I have an eight-year-old. I don't know how to best instill that in my child, other than encouraging him 
to look for ways to solve problems and be creative. You know, like it's, it's interesting. Right. Yeah. How do you teach it? Yeah. I I think about that too, because a lot of people ask me, you know, me starting a business and in my speeches, I share how my sister is an ultra marathon runner and she runs like hundred mile races. And people ask us like, well, what did your parents do to make you me and my sister be, you know, such risk takers. And it really wasn't like, it wasn't like they sat us down and talked to us about, you know, certain like morals or like cause effects. And they'll probably kill me if they're listening to this. It wasn't, you know, such a like in your face parenting that they did. I mean, for example, my mom, she biked from New York to California. And my dad, he played division one football and then did had a startup that he did for 10 years and left his, you know, left his job to do it. And like, so they kind of led by example in that. Um, and I think it was their reactions to opportunities that if there was a team that you could try out for, or like a play that the city was putting on or like, Oh, there's an audition for a commercial. Oh, you don't have any acting experience. Who cares? Let's go and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. and it's like, like, I remember I found out that, did you ever watch a show all that? No, I didn't. Nickelodeon no. uh, with like Amanda Bynes, like back in the day, it was, it was my jam. And they were like coming to my city, like for auditions. And I had like no acting experience, no singing, no dancing. And I was like, mom, like, you know, all that auditions are coming. And she's like, let's go like pack your bags. And it was never like, well, maybe you should take singing lessons first or like maybe, you know, um, you're not cut. It was always like, yes, and we'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. And when things didn't go my way, obviously all that didn't go my way. (laughs) Never got a call back, but, but it was, I think they let us cry. They let us get rejected, which I think was really healthy. They didn't ever shield us from rejections, even when they probably knew I I had a feeling my mom probably knew I wasn't going to make it on a national television show, but, (laughs) but they, they let us feel that. But then consciously, I think, Every time that happened, you know, it hurt less and less. And so right. by the time we're 20 somethings trying to figure it out, some radical things don't seem that radical because yeah. we've kind of warmed ourselves up to it. So, what other things do you have coming up if somebody's listening and they're like, Ooh, I want to, I want to learn more about Jess or Headbands of Hope? Yeah. Well, um, I would love. If you reached out, you can find me on Instagram at Jess underscore Ekstrom. Um, our website for Headbands of Hope is headbandsofhope.com. We also have a Headband Hero program if you're interested in volunteering with that, kind of like a brand ambassador. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some, and then uh, Mic Drop Workshop, if you're interested in speaking, uh, you can go to micdropworkshop.com. But um, the big thing that's kind of in the in the lineup right now is I um, just turned in my manuscript for a book that I have coming out with Harper Collins, November 2019. And so this is the, uh, my bigger project that I've been working on that I'm just super excited about. So we're about to start the editing phase, but that's that's what's in the pipeline. Super nervous, excited, scared, happy, all all the feels towards it. So exciting. Congratulations. Ooh, I can't wait to thank I can't you. wait to see it. <laughs> and then a couple questions that I've been asking everyone this season is and this one's kind of open-ended. So what comes to you when you think of the crossroads of action, intention, and joy? Enjoy. I think of like I think of just like a purposeful life. I just think 
the things that I, I want to do, I want to be anchored to them by something real. And I think that's what brings you joy is when you're doing something that's meaningful to you. I think we're more actionable when we believe in the end results. And I think our work is better when we're intentional towards it. Mm, that's, that's a good one. Thank you. And then last and most joyfully, what are three ways that you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world, or in other people's lives? Oh, okay. So I think number one, and I kind of talked about this in the beginning, that I'm trying to do, that I'm working on is unplug, find ways to remove yourself from the screen and the attachments to technology and just kind of see where it takes you, whether that's with people or a walk in the park. Number two for me is play. Like I love playing games. I love like being silly and fun and wrestling with my dog on the floor or going and playing tennis and not being able to get it over the net. And just like, um, just being able to play is something that I like know that is so important that sometimes I lose because we're so caught up in the seriousness of what we feel like we're doing when mm-hmm. it's not that serious. Just take 20 minutes and, and, and play maybe for your next meeting. It's not at a coffee shop. It's at a park, you know, just take some time to play. Mm-hmm. And three, for me, the the book writing experience has been really eye-opening to what writing can do for you. Yeah. So having to meet this deadline, I've had to be really disciplined about writing every day. And it's just really helped me sort out some of my thoughts and feelings. And it, I kind of consider writing like and journaling, like looking under the bed, because sometimes yeah. when you're scared you have this like anxiety feeling because there's all this stuff that's in your head and you're not really sure like where to go and then when you write it it's it usually you kind of let it it solves itself and it's like looking under the bed and realizing that nothing's there like nothing is really that bad and Mm -hmm. there's nothing that's too big for you to handle so being disciplined about writing actually a service that I use to help me is called um dabble it's like an online journal that sends you an email every day that prompts you with like a journaling question uh, and keeps track of all your entries. So that's something that's helpful for me. Awesome. Yay. I will link up to that. And thank you so much, Jess. It's been so much fun having you on the show today. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. Ah, Jess, thanks so much for being on the show and for being the episode that rounds out season four. It's so exciting. If you want to find out more about Jess or some of the things that we talked about and get links to those sites, you can find the show notes for this episode, jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash Jess, J-E-S-S. And while you're there, like I said earlier, you're going to want to sign up for the very amazing Three Things Thursday, which is my weekly newsletter. And we're going to talk about the inspiration, intention, and action that you could take from what Jess and I just talked about. But you're going to have to sign up to find out what that is. <laughs> Not giving out any spoilers around here, folks. Um, I hope you'll find your way over there. It's on the website, jumpstartyourjoy.com. You can find it and uh, sign up for the weekly fun. So next week holy cow is the start of season five and i am super excited about it it's also the week that i am going to atlanta again and i'm going to be speaking at she podcasts live i'm going to be talking about content creation there so awesome and i'm really really excited 
But next week in the show, oh my gosh, we are going to jump right in and I'm going to talk about mindfulness and how to release the things that are bringing you down and how that can give you more joy in your life. It's been a process that I've been kind of living through myself and I cannot wait to share it with you and kick off what is already shaping up to be this kind of really amazing and beautiful mix of mindfulness and like realism and like it's just a really cool mix for season five already. I cannot wait to share it with you. And the first guest after that is Oren J. Sofer. He's like this really awesome mindfulness dude. So you guys got to come on back for all that. And then, so come on back for that big season five kickoff. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy. <laughs>